0: Good morning. The reading this morning is taken from 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and we'll begin reading at verse 26. It's 1 Corinthians 14, beginning at verse 26. What then shall we say, brothers and sisters? When you come together, each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue or an interpretation, Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. If anyone speaks in a tongue, two, or at the most three, should speak, one at a time, and someone must interpret. If there's no interpreter, the speaker should keep quiet in the church and speak to himself and to God. Two or three prophets should speak, and the others should weigh carefully what is said. And if a revelation comes to someone who is sitting down, the first speaker should stop. For you can all prophesy in turn, so that everyone may be instructed and encouraged. The spirits of the prophets are subject to the control of the prophets. For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace, as in all the congregations of the Lord's people. Women should remain silent in the churches. They are not allowed to speak, but must be in submission, as the law says. If they want to inquire about something, they should ask their own husbands at home, for it is disgraceful for a woman to speak in the church. Or did the word of God originate with you? Or are you the only people it has reached? If anyone thinks they are a prophet or otherwise gifted by the Spirit, let them acknowledge that what I am writing to you is the Lord's command. But if anyone ignores this, they will themselves be ignored. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy, and do not forbid speaking in tongues. But everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way.
1: So this is the final in our series of um, 1 Corinthians 11 to 14, um, and this, this passage does really uh, draw together a lot of the strings and bring it bring Paul's um, argument uh, to to a close. Um, just um, think for yourself. Think for a moment about a building site. Uh, Imagine building sites, um, big project going on, lots of people working, but everyone knowing what they're doing. Uh, They've got their job, they know what their job is, each person has the tools they need, each person uh, knows what they are to do, each person has the material they need, a picture of an ordered, well-managed, well-oiled building process. Now think about another building site. Uh, Here it's just chaos and disorder. Uh, People are running around, bumping into each other, not knowing uh, what they are to be doing. The wrong building material is on site, so they can't do the few jobs that they actually know they should do. They don't have the right tools for the job, so they have to use makeshift tools. Now, which of those building sites would you like to be your home? My guess is we'd all go for the first. Um, None of us uh, are, are looking for chaos and disorder when it comes to building. Um, Yesterday I actually heard that finally, one of the uh, uh, Kuburg nuclear power station reactors has come back online. Now I don't know if you know, but Kuburg was supposed to be decommissioned in 2024. They've been working on a project to extend the life of Kuberg by 20 years. Um, The the project involves removing the old steam generators, uh, storing them in a containment facility and installing new steam generators, which will last for the next 20 years. Now, the the project was started quite a while ago, and in January 2022, the steam generators, the new steam generators were on site. Team of experts came from all over the world to start the replacement. When they got there, they found out that the containment building had not been constructed, the containment building for the old steam generators. Um, And they had to leave site. You can just imagine uh, the bad planning, the chaos, the disorder that led to that building project almost flopping. Costly, um, massive time delays. Today, as we come to the end of our series in 1 Corinthians, uh, we see uh, Paul's concern for the church is for the building up Of the church in the section we're looking at today it's continuing the emphasis that we saw last week the church exists for edification the church as we meet should be working towards building up look um, at at verse 26 watch what then shall we say brothers and sisters when you come together each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction a revelation a tongue or an interpretation Here's the principle, everything must be done so that the church may be built up. That's, that. That's the measure. Should we be doing this? Well, is it working towards, towards building up? We saw that last week and we see that continue today. Now the nuance that this passage brings is that in order for something to be building up, to be edifying, it needs to be done in an orderly way. Verse 33, For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. Verse 40, but everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. When Christians gather, when we gather like this as the church, the purpose is that we may be built up, that we'll be edified, that we'll grow in our relationship with Jesus, that we'll grow in our love for him, in our knowledge of God and his purposes in this world that will grow in godliness. Last week we saw that uh, prophecy is greater than tongues and the reason was because it leads to people being built up. Tongues, unless it's interpreted, are useless to the wider congregation because they're not intelligible and therefore do not lead to the growth of the hearers. But prophecy, on the other hand, leads to growth because it's intelligible. It stimulates the mind. So that's why Paul sees prophecy as superior to speaking in tongues. Uh, Look look back to verse 19 um, of chapter 14 and see how how much Paul uh, values prophecy more than tongues, verse 19. But in the church, I would rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 10, words in a tongue. And last week we said, isn't that an amazing exchange rate? That's like going five cents, exchanging five cents for 100 rand. Uh, the value of, of prophecy is, this, is, is that it's intelligible and it leads to the building up, the growing. Paul wants to see the the church in Corinth working well. He wants to see them working in a way that leads to the upbuilding of believers. And he says that everything must be done in an orderly, edifying way. As a church, when we gather, or even when we meet uh, in our growth groups, everything we do must be shaped by this principle. It must be weighed and measured against that principle. Our purpose must be for mutual upbuilding. And therefore, things need to be done in an orderly way. Now, reading between the lines of these verses, um, we get the idea, the picture, that things were not going that well in Corinth. Things were not uh, happening in an orderly way. Rather, it was chaos and disorder. Uh, Far more competitiveness, showmanship, and self-promoting rather than seeking to build each other up. Uninterpreted tongues were widespread. You get the picture of multiple prophecies happening at the same time, Um, so you can't discern what is being said. And there seems to be a a lack of submission, a lack of willingness to learn. In these verses, Paul instructs the, the Corinthians to do everything in an orderly way, otherwise it won't lead to the building up or at least it, it will cause the building up to be massively stifled. In this passage, Paul addresses three areas and applies this principle to three areas of church life, to tongues, to prophecy, and to women. So we'll look at each of those in turn. Firstly, tongues, verse 27. If anyone speaks in a tongue, two or at most three should speak at one time, and someone must interpret If there's no interpreter, the speaker should be quiet in the church and speak to himself and to God. Here, uh, Paul gives us the principles as to how we should understand tongues and and deal with tongues when it comes uh, in the gathered church. There's three principles that he highlights. First, the tongues is to be limited, or speaking of tongues is to be limited in number. Paul says that two or at most three, should speak in tongues. Speaking in tongues should not be dominating the meeting of the gathered church. tongues are not forbidden, and we see that clearly in verse 39. But they are not to be the central focus of the meeting. And remember we've said that in Corinth it seems like they're they're focusing on on their gifts, and each one wanting to highlight and show off their gifts. If there is speaking in tongues, it must be limited, limited to two or at most three. So that's our first principle. Second principle, only one at a time. Now you can imagine the scene at the church in Corinth. Uh, The service leader stands up and he says, we're gonna have a time of exercising the gift of tongues. And then just everyone just starts speaking, uh, speaking over each other, a whole bunch of people speaking, you can't um, hear or discern what is being said. Um, As members of the congregation, all you hear is a droning noise, many voices competing with one another. Uh, Some of you may have had the opportunity to go to one of the World Cup matches back in 2010. Uh, In the stadium, uh, for those of you who went, I'm sure you remember the immense noise that was going on as vuvuzellas were chanting, as people were cheering, uh, the sound was deafening. The energy and the atmosphere was amazing, but you couldn't hear what the person next to you was saying. It really was not an environment for edification, for building up. It it was not an environment fit for intelligible uh, edification. So if they are speaking in tongues, then it should happen one at a time in an orderly way. The third, principle, that the third principle is that there must be an interpretation. Now, we're not told anything about how the interpreter is identified or if the interpreter has to be identified first before this person speaks in tongues. There's uh, different opinions on that. But what's clear is that for tongues to be allowed in the gathering, of Christians, uh, the gathering of believers, then there needs to be an interpretation. And again, this makes perfect sense as we look at the theme of this chapter. Everything that happens in the gathered church needs to be for the mutual upbuilding of the believers, for the edification of believers. If there's tongues without any interpretation, that does not lead to building up of believers, because. Uninterpreted tongues is in, in, unintelligible. So, verse 28 specifically prohibits the speaking of tongues in the public gathering if there's no interpretation. Verse 28: If there is no interpreter, let the speaker um, the speaker should be quiet in the church and speak to himself and God. There's no interpretation. Uh, the speaker is to keep silent and to keep their tongues between themselves and God. Now it's worth pointing out the words that Paul uses as he speaks about tongues in this passage. Verse 27, he says, if anyone speaks in a tongue, uh, if anyone, that implies that it may happen, but not that it will definitely happen. So tongues is to be seen as a thing that will happen from time to time, but not a thing that we expect to happen every week uh, as we gather. The second area of church life that Paul looks at and applies this principle to is prophecy. This is 29. Two or three prophets uh, should speak and the others should carefully weigh what is said. And if a revelation comes to someone who is sitting down, the first speaker should stop. For you, cannot all prophesy, for you can all prophesy in turn so that everyone may be instructed and encouraged. The spirit of the prophets are subject to the control of the prophets. For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace." So, again, here, Paul outlines uh, principles that we are to apply to prophecy. So, the first principle that we see, and again, we're going to look at three, is that prophecy must happen. Prophecy is expected to be part uh, of the gathering of believers. Now, notice the difference in the words that uh, Paul uses as he speaks about prophecy. He says, two or three prophets should speak, and not if they speak, but rather they should speak. The expectation is that prophecy should be happening when the church gathers. Tongues may not happen, but prophecy must happen. Secondly, the second principle is that prophecy is to be weighed, it is to be uh, weighed to be seen if what is being said is true and ties with scripture. A prophecy in the New Testament is different to the prophecy in the Old Testament. A prophet in the Old Testament spoke the very words of God, the authoritative words of God to his people. Have a look at this verse from um, 1 Peter, uh, sorry, 2 Peter chapter 1. It says, for, no, no prophecy, uh, for prophecy never had its origin in human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. The Old Testament prophets spoke from God. They spoke God's very words because of the work of the Holy Spirit in them, leading them into truth. In the New Testament, prophecy is to be weighed and tested. If someone in the Old Testament claimed to be a prophet, claimed to speak from God and was found to be wrong, they were condemned as a false prophet and they were to be stoned. The New Testament prophecy is to be weighed and tested. Prophecy in the New Testament doesn't have the same authority as it did in the Old Testament. So it is to be weighed and tested. It could be wrong. Prophecy does, however, flow from Scripture. It flows from God's word. It takes what is heard, it takes what is read and taught, and it applies it to the life of the church and to one another. Don Carson very helpfully defines prophecy as spontaneous, unprepared, applicatory comments on Scripture that could be wrong. I'll read that again spontaneous, unprepared, applicatory comments on Scripture. That could be wrong. So prophecy in the New Testament is to be weighed and tested. Prophecy is not future-telling, but rather it's application flowing from what has been taught in Scripture. So as we meet in growth groups and discuss God's word together, we are prophesying to one another. As we discuss God's word after the sermon or in the car on the way home, we are prophesying to one another And it is to be weighed and tested. The third principle is, again, same as tongues. It is to happen in an orderly way, one at a time. Verse 30. And if a revelation comes to someone sitting there, the first speaker should stop. For you, you can all prophesy in turn so that everyone may be instructed and encouraged prophecy should be happening one at a time not in a competitive way not in a domineering way now this may seem like an obvious point but it doesn't seem like it was that obvious to the church in Corinth the picture that you get there is again having a time of prophecy and everyone standing up and speaking and speaking over one another competitively trying to be heard uh, above the others Now think about your growth groups. Uh, As people comment and apply the the passage that you're looking at together, they are prophesying. And that is to be weighed and tested. But imagine the situation where everyone is talking at the same time. Are they competing for the airwaves Uh, rather than than listening? That's not really gonna work towards towards building up, is it? And so the disorder in prophecy Uh, prevents the purpose of prophecy the purpose of building up so in verse 31 Paul says you can all prophesy in turn so that everyone may be instructed and encouraged the purpose of prophecy is to instruct and to encourage Paul wants prophecy to happen uh, but he wants it to happen in an orderly manner so that it does work towards its purpose there are, times that, um, uh, there are times that we prophesy and there are times that we should remain silent and learn and listen and be encouraged. There are times when we'll have something helpful to say but someone else may also have something helpful to say. So we should be willing to learn, to listen, to have others' voices heard. In times like that, uh, are you willing to hear others or do you want your voice to be heard? Verse 32 says, the spirit of the prophets are subject to the control of the prophets. Now, the spirit of the prophets here, I think, refers to the person's own spirit. And the point that we're seeing here is that the prophets are to listen to others. They are to be subject to the control of the prophets. It's a picture of, and not being self-promoting or domineering, but rather willing to listen to others, to be subject to others. It is a humble attitude, an attitude that is keen to learn and to grow rather than merely to be heard. And Paul's reason for saying this in verse 33 is, for God is a God not of disorder, but of peace. Then the third area that Paul applies this to in church life is to women. Verse 34. Women should remain silent in the churches. They are not allowed to speak but must be in submission as the law says. If they want to inquire about something they should ask their own husband at home for it is disgraceful for a woman to speak in the church. Now these are Are tricky verses but verses that are important and that we should come before humbly i think it's worth pointing out firstly what these verses do not mean could these verses mean that women are not to speak at all in church could it mean that women shouldn't read the bible in church or pray and i think it was excellent that we had women reading and praying today that is good and right some do view that this verse as barring that But if we go back to uh, chapter 11, verse five, we see that Paul expects women to be praying and prophesying um, when people are gathered, when the church is gathered. So to be silent in this thing, this verse, is not saying that they are not to speak, but that there is to be an attitude of submissiveness. Uh, Silent in this chapter, does not mean not speaking at all. Uh, the word silent actually comes up three times in this chapter. Now, the, unfortunately with the NIV we, we lose it because each time they translate the word um, differently. But in, in verse eight, uh, so in verse 28, the one who speaks in a tongue but does not have an interpreter, uh, the NIV says that, that they should keep quiet. The word there is they should be silent, the same word used. In verse 30, the prophet is to be silent if another prophet speaks. And verse 30, NIV says that they should be stopped, that they should stop. But the word again used there is silent. So there's a time to speak and there's a time to remain silent. And in, these, in verse 34, the women are to be silent. So there's times when it is right to choose to be silent for the sake of building up. Verse 34 and 35 is speaking in the context of weighing prophecy. It is not speaking about all things that happen in church. It flows straight out of uh, Paul's commands about prophecy. So in the setting of the public weighing of prophecy, women should choose not to speak, but to seek to honor the roles that God has given them the basis of this command paul says uh, is the law and what paul is referring there to is genesis 1 and 2 the basis of this instruction is god's created order Uh, there's two things that i think is worth seeing uh, from genesis 1 and 2 firstly we see that men and women are created equal there's no difference in equality Uh, genesis 1 27 So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. There's no difference in value. There's no difference in equality. Men and women are equally created in God's image. Men and women are both image bearers of God. There's no difference in equality, no difference in value. But God has given different roles to men and women. Uh, And we see that in in chapter two, as God places Adam as the head of the family, uh, as Eve is created as his helper. Um, Submission in the family, in church, does not mean inequality. We saw this very clearly when we looked at chapter 11. If you missed that talk, uh, go listen to it on the, on the um, podcast channels. Uh, Jesus is in submission to the Father. The Holy Spirit is in submission both to Jesus and the Father, but all three are equally God. They each have their own role. Um, they have their roles and responsibilities, uh, but order and authority does not imply inequality. And we see that reflected in the Trinity. God has given men and women different roles and different responsibilities. In this passage, Paul is calling us to honor the different roles that God has given to men and women. This calls for us to live under the role that God has given us. Men and women to return to order and non-rebellion against our Creator. In 1 Timothy, we see clearly that God has given the role of leadership in the church, of the elders and overseers, to that of men. This reflects God's pattern that he set up in creation in Genesis 2, that same pattern that we saw play out in chapter 11. In Corinth, these God-given roles are being ignored and rebelled against, so that when the church gathers its chaos and disorder, When prophecy is heard, uh, it is being weighed, and in some way, women there were not honoring uh, the God-given role that they had. Now Paul does not give us detail as to what this looks like, but the principle stands for men and women to give honor to the roles that God has given us. There is a distinction between men and women, and between our role and responsibility in the place of public ministry. Verse 36 and to, to 37, Paul starts uh, with his conclusion. He says, Or did the word of God originate with you? Or are you the only people it has reached? If anyone thinks that they, uh, that they are a prophet or otherwise gifted by the Spirit, let them acknowledge what I am writing to you is the Lord's command. Paul in these verses is not um, giving his own opinion. He's not writing by his own authority. He is writing by Jesus's authority. These are a command from the Lord. If you do not listen to Paul, you are not listening to the Lord. Uh, Paul, as an apostle, is speaking God's word to us he's not a prophet whose words need to be weighed and tested rather he's an apostle who speaks god's word to us so paul says those who are are real prophets those are eager to be spiritual will submit themselves to god and his word and will listen and hear god's word as we saw in chapter 12 a follower of jesus is someone who who has the holy spirit in them and the evidence that they have the holy spirit in them is that they say that jesus is lord it's not just saying it it's recognizing it recognizing Jesus' authority recognizing his place and humbly submitting ourselves before him you see, by nature, we are all rebels against God. We live in rebellion against God. But God, by his spirit, has worked in us to bring us into a relationship with him. He has given us his spirit so that we can say Jesus is Lord and that we can humbly submit ourselves to him. God went to extraordinary measures to bring us into a relationship with him. To enable us to say, Jesus is Lord, he sent his son into this world to die, that we can be forgiven. That we can be brought into a right relationship with him. That rather than living a disordered, chaotic, rebellious life, we can say, Jesus is Lord, and humbly submit to him. Verses 39 to 40 is a summary of what he's been saying in this passage. And he says that we are to desire to prophesy, desire to hear and to speak the word of God. And therefore it's right that we pray, right that we pray and we ask God to help us and to speak to us and to give us uh, the gift of prophecy. Uh, We are not to forbid speaking in tongues. We are not to forbid it, but it's not a command to be happening everywhere. It is not sinful. But if it happens uninterpreted in the gathered um, congregation, it is useless. Paul wants, uh, wants to see the church functioning in an ordered way, in a peaceful way, that works towards the building up of believers. And this happens as we humbly sit before God's word, as we humbly hear God speak to us. We are to weigh, we detest what is spoken. But as we do it, as we hear it in an orderly way, we will grow in our relationship with him. Verse 40, says, everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you that you do delight in having a relationship with people. Thank you for the Lord Jesus and because of him, uh, we can have a relationship with you. Thank you that, that you've given us the church. Uh, thank you that your church exists to build and grow and encourage. Father, we pray that that will be happening among us, that we'll, we will be a people who grow and build each other up. Father, help us to be a people who operate in an orderly way uh, that works together for the mutual upbuilding and encouragement of one another. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.